Welcome to the Closing Time Podcast, a Clovercrest Media Group presentation. I'm Joe McGuire along with Abby Bro. We want to thank you so much for tuning into the inaugural episode of this podcast. Now, Abby is a full-time realtor. You yes. got into the business six years ago. It's been six years, yes. And I am what you would call a part-time realtor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly what I do is I host podcasts. <laughs> so this works out, though. Right. Uh, you and I are teaming up uh, at Exit Realty BlackRock, and uh, we, we've decided to join forces because I'm good at talking mm-hmm. and um, talking to people, and you're good at real estate. Yeah, well, I would argue that you are also very good at real estate well thank you i i was fishing for a compliment i'm also very good at talking and talking to people (laughs) yeah it's just natural and you're a big consumer of podcasts and of real estate podcasts yeah i actually really enjoy another local uh real estate podcast that i listen to they're from the shoreline and i listen to them every week um and we are more in the central connecticut region uh, you know, and, and you live closer to the shoreline, I do. so you're, you're more in tune. You're very in tune with the shoreline area as well. Yes, yes, yes. I, so I, I'm living in, you know, Hamden right now and, but that doesn't mean that that's where I want my market to be. Basically wherever you want to buy and sell real estate is, is where I will go. <laughs> Most realtors will tell you that, that there are service areas, the, the few towns around where they live. But we we do. I mean, I you know I've gone as as far as Seymour, which uh, took mm. me uh, an hour plus to do some real estate, and and it's you know you do you go you go wherever you can get your clients. Yeah, listen, I love my clients, and if you want me to go to Killingworth and, and buy you a house, I will I will definitely do that wherever wherever you want. We're very flexible like that. I agree. Which is what a good real. Now, you and I have also been uh, in a training, a mm. uh, very well-known uh, real estate training program, and we've been learning a lot of really cool stuff. I've, I've been in this business uh, basically since 1993. I got my license in 2006. I also kind of grew up in a real estate office. Mm. My parents worked for a Century 21 affiliate. And I used to hang out at the office when they had phone time. Mm-hmm. And I remember when the MLS was literally a binder that people would just run around town. I've and heard share of this binder. Oh, it was amazing. It, and it was a lot of toner. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> Boy, those were the days. But, it, you know, real estate certainly become uh, it, its own its own animal. And, and with that, uh, you know, things are. Things are better, but things are also worse. And we're going to kind of get into some stuff that realtors should really be aware of, including maybe the big story. The five major real estate firms uh, are facing a far-reaching antitrust lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Now, for anyone who's a realtor, you know you're supposed to go for the 6%. Right. That's what every office tells you. That's what, you know. And the thought... I always was told was, you know, if you listed 5%, you're doing two and a half splits or worse, a 4%, you're doing two splits. People aren't going to show your house. And I didn't think that was real. It is. Yeah. Apparently. Very real. Uh, Real estate firms have been accused of conspiring to overcharge home sellers in this class action lawsuit. It was filed in district court in Chicago. And it focuses on the rule that was imposed by the National Association of Realtors, which requires brokers who sell, uh, who list sellers properties on the MLS to include a non-negotiable offer of compensation to buyer agents. Now, everybody knows the seller 
pays all of the commissions. Yes. And this 6% uh, is, again, it's it's the number we shoot for. Right. But it is negotiable. It's supposed to be negotiable. Well, it says in the contract, the listing contract, that it's negotiable. Correct. Yeah. Um, and you know, as a realtor, we need to explain that yes. to our clients. Once a home seller agrees in a, in a listing to a specific split of the commission, buyers can't later negotiate no. with their agents for a lower rate. Right. The requirement, the suit alleges, saddles the home seller with a cost that would be borne by the buyer in a competitive market where buyers pay directly for the services which are rendered by the agents. Now... More bad news for the National Association of Realtors. The lawyers who took on Big Tobacco are the ones who are aiming at realtors and the 6% fee. Right. And I think that they feel that this is a frivolous lawsuit, but just because where the lawsuit is coming from, that kind of makes it more serious. The suit was filed in Chicago, as I mentioned, on behalf of literally anyone who has sold a home through one of the 20 largest listing services in the country over the past five years. Uh, and it charges that the very mighty Washington-based lobby, National Association of Realtors, as well as the four largest national real estate brokerages and the multiple listing services they use have conspired to require anyone who sells a home to pay the commission of the broker representing the buyer at an inflated amount in violation of federal antitrust law. So that's not good. That's not no. what you want. And... I, again, here's where I struggle with this because I don't care what the what the split is on a real estate commission. That's always been the way I do business. Whatever my clients want to see, you know, we we go and we see, and I figure out what the commission is later on. Right. And I've never really concerned myself or tried to convince a client, but apparently there are agents. Yes. Who are absolutely refusing to show properties that are less than a 3% commission. Right. And that is really bad. Yeah, I actually had a weird situation at an open house that I was in, um, that I was putting on in Hamden a couple of weeks ago. And a buyer came through the door and I was speaking with them and I said, oh, are you represented by an agent? Because um, if they are, then obviously you leave them alone. Um, and they said no. And the reason is they just sold their house in Atlanta and they offered zero commission to the buyer's agent and they had because of that no other buyer buyer's agent showed their house and they thought that it was sleazy and slimy and so they have zero trust in buyer's agents and going forward they will not use them i don't blame them and it and it's it, interesting it, it does come across as being very sleazy i don't know enough about the atlanta market to right neither do i make that assumption but it you know again you list a home you expect people will come and see it. it yeah. It's, I, and I've, believe me when I tell you, I have had some of the worst listings in the history of real estate. <laughs> and I've managed to get a client or two through there. Right. So the idea that nobody would come to check out these homes, again, is very telling. And I don't know if, if I mean, I assume agents should know this. If you don't, you know, you can charge your buyer a fee. Mm -hmm. And make them pay it. Right. You can also, if you sign your client to a, a your buyer with 3% and they're only paying 2.5%, you can actually get the other half percent from your client. 
But why would, how would you get clients then? What buyer would work with you? What would, you know, that look like? I, I mean, suppose you'd have to be really awesome. Be really, really good. You'd have to be the best. And yeah. You'd have to explain to them in some sleazy way why you have to get 3%. Right. And again, I've been through programs. I've worked for a few different real estate companies over the years. And, and you know, during the training, there's always that day that's basically dedicated to how you convinced your client mm-hmm. to pay you what you're supposed to be getting. Right. And this is why we're in the predicament now that we're in with the National Association of Realtors. And the whole thing comes across, you know, listen, at the end of the day, Abby, I mean, what what is what is the best relationship that you're going to have with your client? It's based on trust. Yeah, most definitely. And if they think that you're trying to beat them, I mean, for what? A hundred to three hundred bucks. Yeah. And we're not talking about a ton of money here. On these percentages. The percentage d- differences. Right. 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 You know, right. two and a half percent or three percent. I mean, it's a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. You're going to be fine either way. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you rather have the confidence and trust of your client? Right. So that going forward, they tell people, hey, this guy was great. Took me everything I want to see. Right. That's what you're supposed to do. Right. And not only that, but you want to have that relationship where... Um, it's beneficial for both of you, you know? I mean, I don't want to be in a contentious relationship with my clients. I want to feel like, um, you know, I'm valued and, and they're valued and everyone's working out fine in the end. Your buyers but, generally already have issues with, because there's all sorts of extra fees. Yes. There's always fees rolled in. Lots yeah. of fees, administrative <clears throat> fees, and there's, you know, your conveyance tax and there, there's a lot of fees these that, that your client gets hit with. The closing costs and everything. Sure. Yeah. And so it's always a surprise at the end. Asking your client to throw a couple hundred bucks more your way mm-hmm. because you didn't get the split you wanted with the seller is definitely not going to no. make for a smooth closing. I would never, ever, ever ask for that. On one of my very first deals, having taken the training at the company I worked for, they insisted should never take less than 3%. You mm. can write it into your buyer contract mm. that I get 3% and if they only offer 2.5, you're paying the other half percent to me. No. And my client was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so after I pay everything, I got to give you more money. And I was like, oh, dude, don't even worry about it. No. Yeah. no that's Because I didn't really realize what I was asking for. My broker at the time told me to write that in there. Yeah. And again, it was part of the training that we had. And I mean, my client forked over a lot of dough. Yeah. And again, it seemed kind of petty to ask for, I want to say it was like $240 more Mm -hmm. would have been the difference. And the guy was a friend of mine. So what I'm going to torture friendship and a client for... Couple hundred bucks, and then potential referrals down the road. No, absolutely right. not. So, again, th- this this is going to be an issue, and uh, it's it's not going to end well for NAR. He, yeah, and here's the thing: I I smell redfin all over this. You know? Oh yeah, no I totally doubt. do. No doubt. You know, look. One of the things that we're all trying to do as realtors is a Again, gain the trust of your client mm-hmm. because word of mouth and referrals is is the way you want to have a real estate business. One of the big things you're trying to do, of course, is not to 
steer people or redline people or, you know, break any of the we, you know, part of being a realtor is taking the code of ethics every two years. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that they have us take the ethics every two years, because for some people, you need the reminder about what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. Now, for anybody who's used Facebook for it, for your marketing some big news there as well. Facebook is announced that they're dismantling their target advertising program for housing because of complaints that Facebook was encouraging housing discrimination. Mm-hmm. Again, this is like the worst thing you can do as a realtor. Last August, the Department of Housing and Urban Development filed a formal complaint against Facebook for allegedly violating the Fair Housing Act by enabling housing discrimination and its advertising platform. Abby, you've done this. You've yeah, done the targeted advertising. Most definitely. I've done it with other podcasts that I that I host and produce. And you can get really specific yeah. about who exactly it is that you're trying to uh, advertise towards. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to my business and what I'm doing and the different shows that I'm, I'm pushing and, and trying to get out there, it's okay. When it comes to real estate, <laughs> you're breaking the law. Most definitely. So Especially now, with rentals. Oh. <laughs> you know? That's probably the worst. That's the worst. Yes. Uh, in the complaint, HUD stated that Facebook allows advertisers to target which users are able to receive housing-related advertisements based on, and this is, again, the worst, race, color, religion, sex, familial status, national origin, disability, and zip code. Again, this is why we take ethics. Uh, HUD also added that Facebook allows advertisers to set preferences by offering discriminatory options, thus eliminating housing options for the protected classes under the Fair Housing Act. Mm -hmm. Uh, The U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, those guys have been super busy with all sorts of other cool stuff. (laughs) Uh, They filed a statement of interest joined in by HUD in U.S. District Court on behalf of a number of private litigants uh, challenging Facebook's advertising platform as being discriminatory. Uh, anyone who wants to run housing, employment, or credit ads will no longer be allowed to target by age, gender, or zip code. Uh, this is according to uh, to, to uh, one of the Facebook executives. Uh, advertisers offering housing, employment, and credit opportunities will have a much smaller set of targeting categories to use in their overall campaign. So it's good that Facebook is taking upon it themselves to comply with the law. Right. Otherwise, you as the agent... You know, at the end of the day, you are responsible for what you put. It's like any ad that you put out there. You're you're responsible for the content. Yeah, I think this is fabulous. I mean, who's to say who who am I to say who I want to see the, my house for sale and to come to my open house and to and to purchase the home? I, I think it's crazy that in the past for you know, marketing um, companies that we pay for, they require you to put in these sort of specifics to target market your house. Why do I want to do that? Why do I want to pigeonhole myself into a certain demographic? That's just, that was always really weird to me. So I'm super happy that this is, this is all changing. Anytime you are using target marketing, you do have to be very careful. And again, at the same time, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Because you, you certainly don't want to, make your property not available to certain people because, mm-hmm. and again, what target target marketing 
does have its benefits and when used properly and within the law mm-hmm. it w- would certainly be to your advantage. I do a lot of Facebook ads, big fan of that, uh, you know, people see and people click on them yep. uh, when, when appropriate. So great, great move by uh, HUD and a great move by Facebook to step up and protect people because, again, at the end of the day... It's not really Facebook who's going to get in trouble. No, it's, it's us. <laughs> you. So that's really important. Uh, you know, another thing you you and I've been talking about. Uh, you know, we we're doing this uh, this real estate training, and um, we read a really good good article in Forbes magazine about tactics of some of the best real estate masterminds in the business. And Abby, in this article, one of the things that stood out to me, you, you hear it a lot. It comes up, and I've had it in, in different trainings. We're in the training we're currently doing. They mention this specifically, but uh, Dale Carnegie uh, talks about in his book how to win friends and influence people. Uh, everybody really should read this book. It's fantastic. Dale Carnegie uh, is the man, and and was the man, and 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 the guy knows what he's talking about. If you want to be successful in business. And this goes back to everything we've said here so far. People have to trust you, like you, and respect you. When you sit down with people, at the end of the day, that's who's going to give you their business. Yeah. If there's if there's not a trust between us, mm-hmm. we don't have anything. You could be best friends with these people. If they don't trust you, it's a real problem as far as getting people to sign on the dotted line. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, being a storyteller, being charming, these are these are these are the sorts of things that when you're talking to somebody, it's so important. Another important thing, Abby, is using people's first names. Oh yeah. You know, it really when you're talking to somebody, people love the sound of their own name. Mm-hmm. It it rings in their head, it it hits them in the heart. And and it feels like you're especially when you come in there and you're doing the dog and pony show. Yeah. And you're showing them your marketing plan. The same show that the other two realtors are doing as well. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing. Your your dog and pony show probably is the same as theirs. Yeah. Uh different graphics. Maybe you got something cool that that spins or whatever. Uh end of the day, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It is really ultimately about trust yeah and and believing that that person has your back now like buying a car you know when you look at some of the car dealers of the world some of them don't necessarily they come across very sharky yeah that's been your experience it has been yeah and i don't want to buy my car from sharky guy yeah because you can just feel that they need to make this sale yes yeah when when people feel you're pressuring them Mm -hmm. because you're just trying to nail that down. And again, looking at the big picture of all of what we've talked about here today, real estate agents are trying to sell houses so they can make money. Okay. It's Fair enough. it's the job. That is the 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 stripped down version of this is what realtors do. Mm-hmm. Good realtors obviously are trying to establish a relationship and yes. have rapport with their client and have that sense of trust. And that's why you know the community that you're in. That's why you know the properties that you're taking these people to. You know the comps that you're using to help them set the price. If you're not going out and looking at comps, you're just going on MLS and you're like, this one, that one, that price is too high, that price is too low, this one, that one. 
and you feel like you're where you want to be, mm-hmm. you're doing your client a disservice. Right. You know you are. Yeah, because you actually physically have to go out to the listings and take a look at it. Yes. Even though you can totally smell, like, see if, or you know you're looking at pictures on the sure. MLS and you could be like, that house smells. <laughs> that house is definitely smaller than it looks. Those right. pictures are so wrong. Yeah. There's a reason there's why a some houses sell and some houses don't. Yeah. And it's like, well, this house is just a little bit bigger. That must be the difference maker. You know, uh, not so much. Not necessarily. Not so much. You're right. Uh, I've been to plenty of houses that either smell like cat pee yep. or cigarettes. That's it. Those are the two smells. Yes. Yeah. And I'll tell you this. Oh, and eggs. Yeah. Buyers just, hate that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, I, I've been in homes before where uh, nobody cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Dirty mm-hmm. underwear on the floor. Oh, get out of here. It happens. Yeah. It happens. People can overlook that. Of course. They struggle with paint, <laughs> but they can overlook a dirty room. Right. What they absolutely positively cannot overlook mm-hmm. is the smell of smoke. Mm-hmm. The smell of cat pee. Yep. Or dog, are... dog feces as well. Yeah. I've the been bane in a home of like the real... that before. Uh, ooh, just out there. Dog. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it was not so interesting. Enough, it was a very nice house. Hmm. It was in Wallingford, and it was in foreclosure. Yeah. Okay. And and there was woman, a dog there in foreclosure. The woman who owned it had a dog. Okay. Uh, and, and it was a big dog. And I can imagine you spending a lot of money on dog food. <laughs> and when you're not able to pay your mortgage, and, not paying your mortgage. and you're paying the dog food uh, yeah. bill, that's that's not really what you want. Yeah. And uh, yes, uh, I came in there to do a showing mm-hmm. and uh, literally walked in and there was a mound of dog poo wow. right in the main foyer. That's it's not what you want. That's hard to overcome. Here's the thing. And, and again, I think this goes back to the trust and having that right, right rapport right. with your clients is you have to have those conversations yeah. with people and you can't be afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. I do. You know what? And it, what I do a lot of the times is actually if the house is on the market and it's a great house and it should be selling um, and it just hasn't yet. What I do is I go back and I call one by one all of the realtors that have shown the house and ask them their feedback and i you know write it all down and send it to my uh sellers present it to them and sometimes it is you know what you just need to wash the windows you know yeah scrub down the baseboards a little bit and there's a big difference between living in your home and having your home on the market a lot of the times you know wiping down the windows you don't notice it but those things are huge and you're right having that rapport having that respect um makes those conversations a lot smoother one of the other things in the training that we've been going through recently and um i don't need to say who's the training it is because everyone's probably been there at some point or another and taken this fella he's very Mm -hmm. entertaining um when it comes to referrals Mm -hmm. There is a almost a hesitation in asking your clients if they would refer you to the next client. Yeah. Because it can be an awkward conversation because obviously, like in any situation, the fear is rejection. Yeah. And also it also puts you into that category of a car salesman. Yes. You know? But again, if you're doing if you're doing the things you're supposed to be doing. And if you've developed the rapport and you've got their respect mm-hmm. and you're doing for this person and you're not insisting on 6% and yeah, then, then it should become easier. 
it should become an easier thing. Again, real estate agents sell homes to make commissions. Right. That is our job. It is also our job to... I have not met a mortgage person on this planet <laughs> who doesn't have, I'm never too busy for your referrals in their signature line. Yeah. They've all got it. Do I have it? You probably do. I'm, I think che- I'm you checking right do. now. And if you don't, get it in there. I don't. There's, there's I a, it. I took it out. Almost a, a, a misunderstanding for people. Your clients don't know how you get clients. Mm-hmm. And they just assume that when you're out there hustling, mm-hmm. trying to get new clients, that you're probably being compensated for that. Right. Or that if-, if Yeah, like you get an hourly wage. Right. Or, you know, I mean, I've had clients that I've taken to more than 50 houses on a couple of occasions. Yeah. And in the case of one of them, the commission ended up being almost $10,000. We hmm. were looking at some really high-end homes. And the client- who was a friend, reminded me constantly that the commission was going to be something very excessive. And we literally looked at properties for about six months. Hmm. I'd say probably up upwards of about 70 homes. And all the time, all the gas, all of those showings, yeah. there's no compensation there. And... We never really, we finally had the conversation later on, but I had to explain like, dude, everything I'm doing for you mm-hmm. is all for free. Right. It's all part of the job until I ultimately help you find the house that you want. And then I get paid. Yeah. And the price of the house is, is really, you know, you could do the same thing for somebody for a house that's 220 and the payoff is certainly not anywhere near what it should be when you consider all the time and effort and work that you put into it. So I think part of the trust that you develop with your clients should allow for you to tell them your house smells like cat pee. <laughs> right. Please smoke outside. Yeah. And not with the door kind of closed mm-hmm. all the way shut. Because if you don't have that conversation, you're doing your clients a disservice. Correct. 100%. It's the, the important thing to remember yeah. is that anything that you're telling your client it that's in their best interest and as long as it is it should be easy for you to tell them that. Yeah. It's coming from experience, your expertise, your knowledge about how buyers work. You can visit our website uh clovercrestmediagroup.com, click on closing time podcast, you can get uh, lots of news and you could download all of our podcasts and get so much more information and if you were so inclined and you're not another agent you might want to hire us to sell your home and we would be happy to do that so certainly make sure you check that out we've also have a facebook page we do the closing time podcast make sure you like that uh we certainly love to hear from you there as well if you have any questions or things you'd like us to cover on this podcast in coming episodes we certainly are open to that. And we plan on having a lot of guests on this show, mm. uh, be it mortgage people. And uh, you, Abby, you and I know a lot of mortgage people. I do. Mortgage some people really great ones. love real estate agents. So we're hoping to get some mortgage people to come on here, talk about rates and different programs. Because there's a lot of stuff people don't know about that could help them purchase homes. Mm-hmm. And everybody's just quick to FHA or conventional, but there's a lot of programs out there yeah. that 
if you got the right person. And we're going to get some people on here to talk about that. We're going to talk to home inspectors. We're going to talk to attorneys. Attorneys. What else? Pretty much everybody. All, all yeah. the whole gamut of, of the real estate world. But we want to we wanna expose you to different people, different companies who have different ideas and can tell you things that maybe others don't necessarily specialize in. Because that's one of the things about mortgage people. Now, we're realtors. We're not licensed to speak about mortgages. We're told constantly by our bosses you shouldn't really chime in on the mortgages. Right. So you want to have experts around. We're going to yeah. we're going to bring those people. Yeah, by. I'm a big believer in relying on experts. <laughs> it's really important. Again, you know, a lot of the times your client might ask you a, a legal question. Yeah. And maybe you've been around the block a few times and you know the answer. Don't tell them the do answer. Do not. Do not. That is not your area of expertise. You know what I do? I I send them a text message with a phone number yes. of an expert that can give them that answer. So if you're a realtor, maybe you're new in the business, uh, we will we will certainly be giving out names and, and information for a lot of these folks. They'll come by, they'll offer their expertise, and we'll give you an opportunity to get in touch with them. Uh, so you can patronize their business. Mm. Uh, my favorite thing about mortgage people is uh, their penchant for taking realtors out to dinner. It's not not too bad. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good relationship. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll be... the, what I really do enjoy is when they take care of my clients. Yes. <laughs> ultimately, that. ultimately. But dinner's good too. Yeah, a couple you know drinks. What? Realtors got to eat. Yeah, we do. Um, it's you know it's really important I think to have the right people to have a, a good team in mind to offer your clients a couple of options on mortgage people, and we're gonna we're gonna be talking to the people who we've had experiences mm -hmm. with, who have delivered time and time again. Right. And I'm very happy with the network of people I have, mm -hmm. and I'm more than happy to share that with uh, everybody who will listen to the Closing Time podcast. So. We're very excited about that. One last big story we kind of want to hit before we wrap things up here. The Silver Sands Park Project, $9 million this thing cost, largely destroyed in a massive fire. Um, it took two hours to put the fire out. That's how massive the fire was. Yeah, it happened late on Tuesday this yeah. week. And Huge. not surprisingly... Authorities are now saying things look a little suspicious. Yeah, a little fishy over at Silver Sands Beach. Can't help but wonder if, if there's maybe some uh, some really good insurance on that on that piece of property. Well, here's the thing: there are Milford residences that didn't want that project to go through. Yeah. Oh man. Oh wow. It was could be even more kind of, sinister yeah, than I, what I'm suggesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, money's good, but there are a lot of residences that wanted to keep it the way it was. Um and what was this? There was a woman that was living on the beach actually. She didn't want to give up her home and the city was trying to take it from her by eminent domain and she just wouldn't leave. And when did she she passed away a while ago. So I'm 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 not saying it's her ghost, but you know you don't know. Um, I believe in ghosts. I saw a ghost uh, many years ago at a radio station. Mm -hmm. I was a person who didn't believe in ghosts before that. 
my only my only thought though, Abby, yeah. as far as uh, your suggestion that it was a ghost, is I'm not sure if a ghost can light a match. No. Well. Okay. All right. But here's the thing. This is what makes me I think it might have been her ghost. So her name is Doris. The fire happened just days away from her, the 40th anniversary of her death. Interesting. Right? It's getting spooky. a little spookier. I mean, I guess if you're a ghost, all you really have to do is knock over a candle. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Doris did this? I don't know. Oh, my God. As if there's not enough to worry about in real estate. Yeah. Uh, now you got to worry about arson ghosts. Yeah. And actually, my first sale was on Cooper Ave. Um, oh, my first sale was amazing. I loved it. Um, right on the boardwalk there, just a couple streets away from the boardwalk. So, you know, my first client had a, you know, a front row seat to this blazing inferno. That fire was so intense. Mm. That NBC Connecticut's chief meteorologist Ryan Hanrahan, who's a, a buddy of mine, uh, said the heat was so intense that the weather radar literally picked it up. That's insane. Yes, that is quite a blaze. Uh, whether it was Doris, Doris, or just some kind of an accident <laughs> or something, that was a a really serious fire yeah. and a, a nine million dollar property. That's. It's a lot of money. Yeesh. That's a lot of money. And, you know, it would have been nice. You know, they they were had like a little sh- like a shack there, get some sandwiches and now nothing. I don't even think they're going to open the beach for the summer. They I can't. Would, I would certainly think that's in jeopardy at this right. point. I, I don't understand why people. Well, I guess I kind of do, but maybe I just can't wrap my mind around it. Why people just always want to keep things the way they were. Mm. So a lot of people don't believe in progress of any sort. And I don't uh, I don't get that. Yeah. You know, people are very selfish uh, sometimes in, in, you know, how does something benefit me as opposed to what would this be like for the entire community? Yeah, that's a really good the point. The entire town. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? Here's the thing. At the end of the day, you know, right now in Connecticut, we're looking at a situation where tolls mm-hmm. could very well become a reality for us. And there's a lot of people that are angry about that. Well, somebody's got to pay for the roads. Right. And almost every other state has tolls. I pay for the roads when I go to Massachusetts. You sure do. You know, in New York. Yeah, (laughs) and they really appreciate it. And and, uh, I I, I think people are freaking out. And they're sort of not understanding the greater good. Again, Connecticut only has so much money. Mm -hmm. And it's got to raise revenue somehow, some way. They're talking about discounts for Connecticut drivers. Uh, you know, again, if you do the easy pass, it's it's not like it's going to be. I think what people's fear is, and, and you may have seen the the meme of where there's like 82 tolls going right up 91 and 95, where and it's not going to be that. That's not a real thing. No, that's not at all what it's going to be. And and I hope people don't really think that they can't be too close to the borders, or you lose all the national, uh, the federal funding that that we get. And worse, you'd have to pay back. What you have, what you have taken previously, so, and again, if you look at the whole Rhode Island situation, you can't just do out-of-state truckers. They're already challenging that one in court, so there's no sense in Connecticut doing it. There are some other ways that they could get around this here in Connecticut. One of the things being, uh, and Ned Lamont, our governor, hasn't even 
considered it would be to raise the tax bracket for the richest people in Connecticut from, I believe it was a, from 6.9% to 7.4%. And if they were to do that, you wouldn't need tolls because that would close the entire budget deficit. And he has, and for the, for that matter, I don't want to blame just the Democratic governor, but the entire assembly, uh, they're very opposed to that, mm. which is interesting. Because they think that the richest people well, they, in the state would leave? Sure, that's always been the fear. And I'll right. tell you, let me tell you a couple of things about the state of Connecticut before and after Governor Daniel Malloy. I did not like Daniel Malloy. I thought he was a very uh, divisive guy. Um. There are more there are more Fortune 500 companies headquartered in Connecticut post Malloy mm. than there were before Malloy. We have more millionaires and billionaires in this state now than we did before Malloy took office. So So he made it hospitable for those people to live. Sure. Here. Listen, do you know who flees the state? Think about all of your friends that have moved to North and South Carolina in the last five years. It's not the rich people in the yeah. state. It's the people who are going paycheck to paycheck yeah. or people who are maybe, you know, even upper middle class to get a nicer feel home the squeeze and they're yeah. like, ah, forget it. I'm not paying everybody else's way. And again, it's it's by and large because uh, the top one percent in this state does not pay as much as they probably should or could. Mm -hmm. And again, when you're talking about this small percentage, it's just like with real estate, you're not talking about a lot of money. As a whole, it would it would completely close up the budget deficit. Why wouldn't you just do that hmm. uh, and and not bear the burden on the middle class and the working poor? Now I know they're going to do some exemptions for uh, the 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 people who are the working poor, I guess as as you would call them. That does nothing for middle class and. It seems like that's the people who take the brunt of the punishment in every single budget. And this one seems to be no different. The tolls, they're looking at some real estate taxes, conveyance fees, and Scary all sorts stuff. of other things that kudos to the... Did you vote no for that? I sure did. Yeah. yeah. That was simple. They made it so easy for us. I'll tell you what, you know, if you're a member of the Connecticut Association of Realtors, and by virtue of that, you'd be, of course, uh, with NAR. Well, I guess it's not voting. It was just... Yeah, you got to yeah. weigh in. You, you definitely got to weigh in. in. Make your voice heard. And, and, you know, if you don't know the... If you don't know the full story, just go ahead and find out. Yeah. A couple it's, clicks. You, you do a little Google search... You find out what's going on, and, and you decide whether it's good or bad for you. We'll certainly weigh in on those things yeah. going forward and kind of help you, uh, you know, understand what is what, because it, it is super important. But if you're a realtor, boy, now more than ever, you definitely got to be a little bit more active. And, you know, I, at times, Abby, I have issues with CAR and with NAR and some of the things that they do, but... You know, at the end of the day, we're trying to make real estate affordable for people and put people in the best situation they can in order to buy a home. And right. and again, at the end of the day, that's what we do. We we are selling homes to make money. Right. And when put in the right situation, it should be an amazing experience for your client. No, I totally agree, but sometimes I feel like the um 
you know, the smart MLS is actually not helping us do that right now with their new rules. Um, how if you're selling a home, you have your listening agreement, you cannot do any sort of coming soon advertising, which was something huge where realtors would post um, on real estate forums on Facebook and, and um, even do little mini ads in the community saying coming soon, you know, check back for more deets, <laughs> um, just to get the feelers out before it actually the home was ready to be put on the market. But now none of that is happening. And they're actually monitoring us on Facebook in our groups. Um, and a lot of realtors recently have been getting some nasty emails saying cease and desist emails, basically stop doing this. Um, and it's really a disservice to our clients. You know, if you look just in the last eight or nine years, and the difficulty now to go and take your client through the mortgage process and to sell a home, it, it is, it has definitely gotten more complicated. And if you're dealing with a first time home buyer who's maybe in their twenties or even early thirties, they've never bought a home before. They've never had a realtor and, and maybe the person that they've heard all of their real estate stuff from is their mom and dad. Right who haven't bought since the, the late 90s, I'll tell you, it is a t completely different animal. Mm -hmm. I have clients all the time who ask me why they should sign a buyer-broker agreement. Wow. You know, and I have to explain w what it is that we do and, and, and what your benefit is and how that's the law and how, I you know, we can't, we technically can't bring that's you right. somewhere. You're going on someone else's property. Because that's the, been the law since, what, 97? Yeah. 97. So, right. So if your parents bought a house, you know, back in the 80s or 70s, they would not be aware of that Correct. Law. Yeah. You know, and again, you just look at, at the changes they've made to uh, mortgages in the last five or six years, it, it is completely different. So it's a good idea to hire a realtor. Yeah. And the first thing you should do when you hire that realtor is you should sit down and ask a whole lot of questions. Yeah. If you've bought a house before and it's been 10 years, you've done it before, maybe you bought more than one house before, it's, it's, not, it's not what you think it is anymore. It's a much more complicated process. Um, I think now more than ever, I think for sale by owner is a near impossibility. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I live in Wethersfield. I can't remember the last FISBO that didn't end up with a real estate sign for some company in front of it. Yeah. If you're not a professional real estate salesperson, you are going to find the process to be daunting uh, and, and it's almost not worth it, I would say. And again, this is, this isn't me as a realtor trying to get Fizbo's. It's a, it's a much more complicated process than it ever was. My mom and dad were both realtors and neither one of them were, um, you know, Dale Carnegie. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah, yeah you, you, you were, it, it was a much easier process <clears throat> then. You could also be less than forthright with your clients mm -hmm. um buyer beware that's sort of how it <laughs> went back in the day so most of the rules and laws that are in now are actually to protect the client and so so the idea that they would be resistant to signing is counterintuitive right yeah we're here to help you and yeah when you say the fizbos i mean just 
being up to date on all of the forms you need. I mean, the disclosures, they're updating them all the time. Now, um, you know, with these crumbling foundations, the extra paperwork for that. And now it's not even just, um, you know, the northern part of the state. It's for the entire state. Mm -hmm. You have to have all that paperwork um, going forward. So for for the FISBOs who who need this paperwork and everything, yeah, I I don't know how you'd be able to sell a house and, and, and do it the right way. It's a much tougher process, and we're here to help other agents through it. We're here to help clients and prospective clients through it. And again, uh, in the coming weeks and months and years, uh, we're going to bring the best of the best along to explain their area of expertise. We could even probably have uh, somebody on to talk about crumbling foundations because it is certainly a big problem here in Connecticut. Uh, So again, clovercrestmediagroup.com. Click on the the closing time podcast uh and you can check out all of the latest real estate happenings and news and uh you could find out more about abby and i and and what we can do for you and some of our affiliates and uh yeah good first show here i love it i'm very excited about it i think there's not enough real estate podcasts no we need more we definitely need more Mm mm-hmm uh, so we hope you'll tune in. We'll be releasing one every single week with all the latest in real estate. And again, if you visit the Facebook page, the Closing Time Podcast, uh, feel free to get super interactive there. If you have questions or topics you'd like us to cover, we would be more than happy to do so. Yeah. For Abby Bro, I'm Joe McGuire. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Closing Time Podcast. <laughs>